Hey, thanks for joining us here today at Victory Church, where we invite people to belong before they believe. If you want to know more about who we are and what we do, or if any of our messages have impacted your life and you would like to partner with us in giving to this ministry, we invite you to do so by visiting our website at victory.church. Now, let's check out this week's message from our lead pastor, John Chesty. Well, Mother's Day is next week, in case you forgot, fellas. Everybody knows that. We're all on the same page now. I, um, I actually bought Michelle a Mother's Day gift, and way ahead, like the earliest I've ever bought a Mother's Day gift, and I bought it on Amazon, and I told her, hey, when it, there's this thing coming, so don't open it when it gets here, and she texted me, and she said, did you get me a blank, what I, what I bought her? And I go, how'd you know that? She said, because the Amazon shipped it in the box that, <laughs> that is the product. I'm like, the one time they actually do that. So anyways, happy early Mother's Day to you, Michelle. Uh, but next weekend is Mother's Day, and so you wanna uh, uh, bring, bring your mom to church or bring your wife to church or whoever the mother is figure in your life. Uh, be at church next weekend. Uh, we've got some special things planned for the moms next week, uh, as we always do. And I may or may not have a special guest helping me preach next week that I'm pretty excited about. So be sure and be here next week. Today, uh, we're starting a new season. And I wanna take a moment and greet the Edmond campus and just say how much I love you guys and so glad that I'm with you today, those of you watching online. Um, today we start a new season and just real quick, if you come to church here, you kinda know how we do these rhythms, but uh, we, don't, we don't call them series because series have an end date. It's like a three-week series, a four-week series. We call them seasons because we don't really know when that season's gonna sh shift. You know, in Oklahoma, we know that seasons come and go, but we don't know the exact date of when spring is gonna be here or when spring is gonna leave. And so we just kind of have this rhythm uh, with the topics that we're gonna be preaching on uh, of, this, of similar of a season. And several months ago, um, I began praying and asking the Lord what, what this next season would be for us and for our church. And um, many times I go many, many weeks with, without really sensing anything. And, um, and it happened, what was really cool about this time is the Lord spoke so clearly to me um, in March. It was actually March the 6th. I remember it because it was the State of the Church Address. And I did the State of the Church Address here. And then that afternoon, I always, I always preach at Victory Iglesia, our Spanish service. And I, um, I don't know Spanish, by the way. I use an interpreter. And, and I'm standing over on the side. And some of the most powerful worship experiences I'll go to during worship are at our Spanish service. I don't encourage you if sometime, just, just attend our Spanish service. It's at two o'clock on Sundays here at the OKC campus. And I don't know a word they're saying, but the presence of God is real. And that's how you know the presence of God is real. I don't even know what you're saying right now, but I sense this. And they were singing this song uh, that, that said these words, and I'm gonna probably butcher this, but it said, mi Dios es más grande, mi Dios es más fuerte. Fuerte, yes, fuerte. And I'm like, okay, I'm sitting here. Sometimes I'll, I'll try to figure out what the words to the song are and what it's saying. And it's, I, I knew me, Dios es más grande. They're saying, my God is greater. And I was like, okay, yeah, I got that. Um, and then, then they said, mi Dios es más fuerte. And for some reason in my mind, this is what was going through my head as all these people were worshiping. I thought fuerte meant hot. And I was like, my God is hotter. 
what? What kind of theology are we teaching at our Spanish service? My God is greater, my God is hotter. <laughs> like hotter than what? Like what are we talking about here? And I kid you not, it was as if the Holy Spirit corrected me, but with affirmation and with direction. And the Holy Spirit so quickly brought to my mind, I was saying, my, my God is hotter. And instantly it was stronger. Fuerte means stronger. It's almost like he was saying, John, you idiot, it's stronger. I was like, oh, okay, stronger. And so I just began to think about that and the strength that comes from God, that our God is greater, but he's also stronger. But the, the, the beauty of this is that we get to rely on this strength. We get to lean into this strength, that the, the God who gave strength to all of these people through the Bible, we get to rely on that same strength that these, these individuals uh, gained and these individuals uh, gleaned from. And I begin to just think about even over the course of the next several weeks, I begin to even think through the past of my life and the things that I've been through and the things that God has brought me and Michelle through and, and the things that we've done. And I, I came to this really clear realization that it was not by might, it was not by strength, it was by my spirit, says the Lord. It wasn't because we were that good. It wasn't because we, had, we were that smart. It's because God gave us the strength to endure. God gave us the strength to conquer. God gave us the strength, and many of you can, can, can relate to this. As you look back on your life, you can see moments of your life where you really don't even know how you got through that season. You don't even really know how you built the business. You really don't even know how your marriage is still going. You really don't know how your kids are serving the Lord. There was just some sort of a supernatural strength, some sort of a grace that came over you during that time. And what gives us encouragement for the current and the future is knowing that the same God who gave me strength for yesterday will give me strength for today. And so, amen, we can celebrate that. So I wanna talk about strength for a season. And I think it's something that we all need. So if you have your Bibles, uh, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, we all know, many of us know that Hebrews chapter 11 is famously known as the faith chapter. The faith chapter, and it'll say things like, by faith, Moses blank. By faith, Elijah blank. Or they'll list a bunch of characters and they'll say, by faith, they accomplished this. But there's one part I wanna read to you. It's towards the end of chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, some words that really stuck out to me. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32. So jump down to verse 32. And the, the author of Hebrews says this. He says, and what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, they administered justice, they gained what was promised, who shut the mouth of lions, quenched the fury of the flames and escaped the edge of the sword. And, and every one of these people, I want you to watch these words, whose weakness was turned to strength. It's saying in and of themselves, they were far too weak to accomplish everything that God wanted to accomplish through them. But God supernaturally turned their weakness into strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Now, let me unpack real quick before I give you the title of the message today and where we're gonna go in this season. 
Um, two main words in this passage. The first word is weakness. Okay, so it's saying you turned weakness into strength. So let's go to the Greek and see what these words mean. The, the, word, the word weakness in Greek is the Greek word asthenia, and there's two types of it. If you look up this Greek word, it'll show you two types of weakness. The first one is like a bodily weakness. It's sickness, it's a, it's a feebleness, it's a, it's a health, it's a physical body of weakness, right? It could be muscle, it could be sickness, it could be something. But then it also simultaneously means the soul. There's a weakness in our souls. Our, our ability, our weakness to bear trials and troubles. So it means both simultaneously. It says it's gonna turn your weakness both physically and spiritually, your soul, your, your, your physical body and your, your mind, will, and your emotions. God can supernaturally turn the weakness into strength. Let's look at the word strength. The word strength in the Greek is the, is the Greek word, it's a really fun word, endunamao. Say that with me, say endunamao. And it means to be filled with power, to turn to strength, to, to about face. Like one minute you were weak, and God supernaturally about face, strength. And if you've lived long enough, you realize that you can't really get through this world without moments of supernatural strength. Something has to overtake you. Something has to overpower you. And we see this all through scripture. You'll see, and we're gonna unpack this for a lot of weeks. You don't wanna miss any of them. You'll see this all through scripture, physically and, and their souls, where God would give them the strength to endure, the strength to conquer. Many times in scripture, it'll say, and the spirit of the Lord came upon them, and they blank. Without the spirit of the Lord coming upon them, they would not have been able to blank. So something happened supernaturally in these moments to, to help them get through the season that they were going through. And what we're gonna do in this season is we're gonna, every single week, we're gonna pick one character in the Bible, and we're gonna study the strength that God gave them for that moment. We're gonna look at people all through scripture, Old Testament and New Testament, and we're gonna see how the strength of God came upon that person and how they were able to overcome or accomplish or conquer things because of God's strength. Because what we need to learn and what we need to remember is that, the God, that, that, that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the God of strength of yesterday is the God of strength today. So if God gave Moses strength yesterday, we can glean from the same strength today. If God gave Elijah strength yesterday, we can glean from the same strength today. And so we're gonna study all of the different types of strengths and what God did through these people and glean from it and say, if it happened for him, it can happen for me. If it happened for her, it can happen for me, all right? So the title of our message today, we're gonna study Gideon's strength, Gideon. And the subtitle of the message is How Strength Starts. How it starts. Um, I don't think there's any of us that wouldn't be appreciative or accept strength. We ask for it all the time. You know, if my wife can't open a jar of, of jelly, she'll say, can you open this for me? What she's saying is I need to borrow your strength for a minute to have access to something that I want to have access to, right? And so, so we, we, none of us would turn down strength. We, we desire strength. Uh, we see strength as this thing that is just kind of like a, we're in a soup line, uh, you know, that, that we are just going down the line and saying, I'll have some of that. Yes, I'll have some of that. Yes, I'll have some of that. And, and we just see this as, as God is just gonna scoop up some strength and flop it on our plate. And there it is. 
And I'm not saying he won't do that, and I think there's times in our life where he does do that. But what I really love about Gideon's story, and I just wanna walk through it this morning, is for Gideon, his strength came in a process. His, his, his finishing, the finishing work of Gideon was, was crazy strength, conquering armies with very little resources, going from a wine press of saying, I'm the weakest in my tribe, to telling people, I will knock your block off if you mess with me. Like he goes to this crazy supernatural strength. But what I wanna show you, and I hope that it brings encouragement to you, is it didn't happen overnight. God took them through, him through a process of strengthening him, and I believe that God wants to do the same for us. And I wanna talk to you about today about where strength starts, all right? So there's gonna be four things that I'm gonna unpack for you today. I'm gonna give them to you real quick, all up front. You don't need to put these on the screen yet. Um, I'm just gonna tell you where we're heading. I'm gonna give you the process that he goes through, and then we'll unpack them one by one. So all four steps, here they are real quick, and if you can't write these down fast enough, it's okay, we're gonna go over them one by one. The very first step God did in Gideon is God contradicted his conclusions. There was contradiction, okay? The second thing he did in Gideon's life is God formed his faith. So he first contradicted Gideon's conclusions. He then formed his faith. After he formed his faith, he trained him to trust. He had to train Gideon to trust God. And after he took him through those three processes, then he was supplied with strength. Okay, and I'm gonna unpack this for you and let the, let the word of God teach us this morning. So let's go back to number one. Number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. Gideon's, conclusions was, Gideon's conclusion was contradicted. Um, through, through life, you have developed a set of conclusions based on your upbringing, based on your teaching, based on what church you went to, based on how the pains inflicted to you, based upon damage done to you by, by spiritual wounds, by physical wounds, by mental wounds, by all of the things that you've had to walk through in your life, because of that, you have developed a set of conclusions. Whether you even really think about that or not, or, 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 or are cognizant of that or not, you have conclusions. Some might call them values. You live by a set of values. If someone shows up 10 minutes late to work, you're mad about that because you have a set of values that says, I am never late for work. So we developed these set of conclusions. Based on Gideon's life, he had developed a set of conclusions. He had concluded that we lost. The Midianites, in Judges chapter six, the Bible says that the Midianites had came and conquered Israel. It says that there were so many Midianites, their camels and their, their tents and their people and, and their, their horses and all their, the, the, the Bible describes them as locusts. There was too many to count. Way too many to count. It was impossible. And the Bible says that all of the Israelites has basically just gone and hidden in caves. They were just hiding. They had given up. They had concluded that this fight is over. There's nothing else that can be done. And Gideon, in fact, was hiding. He, the Bible says that he was threshing wheat in a wine press hiding, providing for himself and his family most likely in secret because to do it in the open, the Midianites would have taken everything that he wanted. And so I wanna go to Judges chapter six and let's just unpack this story for a minute. So flip over to Judges chapter six. I'm gonna read verse 12, the moment that the angel of the Lord comes and appears to Gideon, okay? So this is where the Lord comes to contradict his conclusion. It says, the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon in verse 12, and he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. That's the contradiction. 
This was what Gideon had previously concluded in verse 13. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? <laughs> He's saying, I, there's a contradiction here, Lord, because you're telling me you're with me. But what I know about the history of my God is that if you were actually with us, none of this would have happened to us. So he sees this contradiction in the truth. He says, where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about? When they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now, here's his conclusion. The Lord has abandoned us and he's given us into the hands of Midian. He's saying, if you're with me, why does it feel like you've abandoned me? God came to contradict his conclusion. And what did this look like in real time? In real time, this looked like questions. This looked like frustration. Uh, this looked like giving up. Uh, it, it looked like anger. Now, this word contradiction is kind of a word that we have a negative connotation to, but really, honestly, what did Jesus do when he was on earth? He contradicted. He was the contradiction to everyone's conclusions. Everyone that had concluded something about the story of God, Jesus came to contradict it. He contradicted the Sadducees and the Pharisees. He contradicted the Romans. He contradicted the Jews. He contradicted the, the Gentiles. Every single person that encountered Jesus, in many ways, Jesus was the contradiction to their conclusion. And this is what God does to many of us. And sometimes we get frustrated whenever things don't go our way. And what we do is we draw conclusions based on our experience. We conclude something. And I'm just telling you, one of the very first steps to you getting into alignment to receive strength from the Lord is embracing the contradiction. Knowing that questions are not necessarily a bad thing. When you start questioning God, when you start questioning the things that are happening in your life. So, so why? 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 Why do we have to go through these, these things? Because unknowingly, we kind of put God in a box and we say, these are my conclusions about the world. These are my conclusions about theology. These are my conclusions about God. And God will always come to contradict those. Why? Because you can't box God in. He won't allow it. He won't allow it. So he'll come to contradict things. So when we sense contradiction to things that we may have concluded on, we need to know that God might be doing a work. And here's why I think God does it. I think God does it because God won't strengthen wrong thinking. I want you to think about this for a second, all right? We wanna be strengthened. We wanna get through the circumstance. We wanna get, get through whatever it is that we're doing, but I'm convinced that God will contradict our thinking before he strengthens us. Because if he strengthens us with wrong thinking, he is strengthening wrong thinking. So before God strengthens you, sometimes he will contradict you. And when we get contradicted, we don't like contradiction, do we? Because we have conclusions. So I'm just lightly putting that out there to let you know that when you have questions, when you're frustrated with God, don't run from God, lean into God. What is he trying to say to me? What is he trying to point out in me? What is he trying to say during the season of my life? Write this down. Sometimes before he strengthens you for battle, he contradicts your conclusions of the battle. Okay, so he's contradicting us many times and this is not a bad thing. So what does this look like? It looks like questions. Now, let's look at Gideon. The angel of the Lord comes and says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And Gideon goes into all these questions. He says these words, pardon me, my Lord, 
You know what that means? If you were to say, pardon me, my Lord, in 2022, what the heck? What the, what, what? That's what he's saying is, pardon me, my Lord. He's just way more articulate than we are to these days. He's saying, God, this doesn't make sense to me. He is very frustrated in this moment. He feels abandoned, he feels alone, he is all alone and God says, I'm with you. And he's like, hold up a minute, that contradicts everything that I have concluded about my life. This is what I love about this moment though. God, and you need to hear this, God was not frustrated with Gideon's doubt. He was not frustrated with his lack of faith. He was not frustrated with his questions, okay? Now, let me, let me stop for just a second because there's this word that's kind of going around. It's, it's, it's not a new word. It's actually a very old word that's, that's in, through centuries of the church. But there's a new word that's kind of circulating amongst mainly our younger crowds in the church. It's the word deconstruction. And many, many, many people are deconstructing their faith right now. And it's kind of a, a word that, I, we did an episode on this on my podcast. I would encourage you to go listen to it. Had a great theologian on my podcast named Dr. Swoboda. And uh, if you've never been on my podcast, it's called The Church Intention. Church in, church in Tension. And it, it, it's a great teaching on this. Get a mic ready for me just in case. Um, deconstructing, picture it as like a construction project, okay? But if you're wanting to remodel your home, Okay? You have built your home, your theology, your belief in God based on different contractors that have come into your life and built walls and built stuff in your life, right? Deconstructing means I gotta, there's, there might be some areas in my life that I'm just believing something because somebody told me to believe it, but the Bible contradicts what I've learned to believe. And so I need to deconstruct some stuff. And this, is, this has been a word that, that I'm gonna give you some advice on both sides, okay? Uh, many of the church is very against this word deconstruction because we take it as an offense. We take it as a threat to, to the church. So, so let me just say something to, to both sides, okay? Let me give you some, some words of warning or words of advice to both sides, to the believers, to the believers who aren't deconstructing anything. Um, we have to give space for people to ask questions, okay? Listen, put it this way. If God wasn't offended by Gideon's questions, why are we offended by other people's questions? God, God came to contradict some of, some of the conclusions. There's things that happen in people's life that cause them to contradict what they may have been taught. Now, the key is, is they have to, we'll get to this in just a second, but they have to stay in line with the Bible. We're gonna get in there. We're gonna get in there in just a minute. But we must give people space. We are not judge, jury, and executioner. Okay, as believers, we must give, we can't crucify people for asking questions about what we believe, okay? Now, real quick, to those that are deconstructing, maybe you're here, maybe you're at Edmond, maybe you're watching online, and you're, there's some things turning in you. You've seen the church having moral failures. It's a big thing right now. You've seen some people that you used to respect fall. There's some things maybe in your faith that you're like, man, I don't even know that I believe that anymore. Maybe you're in a season where you're like deconstructing some things of yourself. Let me just give you a couple of, of, of warnings, so to speak, okay? I painted this picture that's like a construction pro project, okay? Here's my advice to you if you're deconstructing. Don't hire a demolitionist to remodel your house. Okay? There, there are some things in your life that might need to be remodeled. 
okay? Here's, here's, here's the deal. Like, if I wanna remodel my house, about the only thing I know is that there's a foundation. <laughs> Beyond that, I don't really know. But if Michelle's like, hey, I want that wall out of here, I'd be like, okay. And I'd just take a sledgehammer and start knocking out a wall, not knowing it's a load-bearing wall. And the whole house would come down on us. And sometimes we, we have contradictions of our conclusions and we just pick up sledgehammers and start hitting stuff and deconstructing our faith, not knowing that some of those are pillars because we don't know the word of God good enough. So here's my advice if you're deconstructing. There are a set of blueprints. It's the Bible. I'm not telling you you gotta believe what some preacher says. I'm not telling you you gotta believe what some podcast says. I'm not telling you you gotta believe what some YouTuber says, but we do have to believe what the word of God says. It is unshakable. It is the foundation that we build everything on. So I, I need to move on to the next point, but I just wanna, I wanna let you know, sometimes if you're going through a season and you feel weak, you, feel, you, don't, you don't know what's next, you're confused, you're asking questions, it's okay. It's okay. This might be where strength starts. For Gideon, his supernatural strength started with a contradiction started with questions. It started with frustration. So in chapter six, Jesus comes to contradict. And then it quickly moves in the second point. So the contesting of our conclusions, please know it's not for nothing, okay? The confusing seasons of your life, the frustrating seasons of your life, the, the seasons where nothing makes sense, it's not for nothing. God is using this. Okay? He's building something. And he took Gideon from confusion and contradiction to the next stage. Number two, write this down. Gideon's faith was formed. Okay? Now I want to show you where this contradiction kind of took shape and be began to, the process of building faith in Gideon. So Judges chapter 6 is a story about Gideon's faith beginning to form, if you want to theme this thing out. So let me show you kind of where it starts in verse 14. It says, the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have. Well, we all would agree Gideon didn't have much strength at this point. He had little to nothing. And the Lord says, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Faith always requires action, always. Faith starts when we start. He says, I want you to just start with what you got. Go in the strength you have. And here he goes with more questions. This is, this is why I love Gideon. He's not afraid to ask questions. He says it again. Pardon me, my Lord. What the heck, Lord? How can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. He's like, I play for the Thunder, and I don't even play on the Thunder's team. I ride the bench. Strength is coming to the thunder in Jesus' name. Amen? Verse 16. The Lord answered. He says it again. I will be with you. And you, Gideon, you're going to be the one that does it. You're going to strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. And Gideon replied, if now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign I love Gideon, because I'm always like, God, give me a sign. I need a sign to let me know you're here, right? He's like, he, he, he's not afraid. He's like, I just, God, give me a sign. 
And he goes into that more later. He asks for literal signs. But I wanna go back to this, this idea that Gideon had zero faith at this point. Zero, okay? And with zero faith, God says, go in the strength you have. Go with what you got. And the faith is not forming at this point. It's about to form, and I wanna show it to you in just a second. But please catch this. Gideon was so focused on the finish line that he couldn't see the starting line. Because he says, I can't do this, I'm gonna lose. He had fast forwarded to the end, and the end terrified him so much that he didn't know where to begin. Faith starts at the starting line. Faith grows by the time you get to the finish line. And God was trying to say, go in the faith, go in the strength you have. Just get up to the starting line and be ready to go. But he couldn't get to the starting line because he couldn't see the finish line, right? So, so let, me, let me show it to you. In verse 15, it says, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I'm the least in the family. So this is what God does. God's so cool like this. So God shows him the finish line to get him to the starting line. Let me show it to you. The very next verse, the Lord says, I'll be with you and you will strike down the Midianites. Let me just fast forward and show you how this thing ends. At the end of all this, you're gonna win. So get your tail to the starting line. Get up to the starting line. He fast forwards. Now, for all of us, sometimes I wish God would show me the finish line. Honestly, he rarely does. I don't know why he showed Gideon the finish line. God really never shows me the finish line. But there's something way more important than you seeing the finish line to build your faith. Way more important. And he, said, he has said it to Gideon twice at this point. Okay, He says these words. He said it twice by this, by this moment. I will be with you. What built Gideon's faith? Those five words. If you really thought that God was powerful and God was mighty and God was all the things that you read God to be, and then the God of the universe says, I'm gonna be with you, I'd be like, let's go. Let's go. This was the truth that formed Gideon's faith. And Jesus told us this, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. Whenever I remember very clearly, whenever I first had the opportunity to go and be the president of the Kings and continue to pastor a church, I was overwhelmed with doubt. I was overwhelmed. This contradicted everything that I ever thought could be possible in any form of leadership, in any form of, of anything. I just thought it was crazy. I thought it was, I thought it was insane. And the, the verse that, that God gave me in Psalm 23, six, he says, and surely my goodness and my mercy will follow you all the days of your life. I would just pray, and I felt like the Lord was saying, I don't, it's up to you, John. It, it, it wasn't a command, it was like an opportunity. And I've, I've told you guys this before. It was like God says, this isn't a command. If you don't wanna do it, don't do it. It's an opportunity, but here's my promise to you. If you do it, I'm going with you. I'll go with you, I'll be with you. His goodness and his mercy shall follow you. Well, I thought I was a follower of Christ, I am. But when I follow Christ, he follows me. So it gives me the faith and the courage and the strength to do things that I thought were impossible because I have God's strength on my side. I have God's grace on my side. And this is what he does in us and through us, amen? So watch this, the Lord, the, I wanna show you the two times. I don't have time to do that, okay? He tells him two times, I will be with you. Read the story later. 
He says, you go in the strength you have. So, so write this down. It is when you go that you grow. Sometimes we're waiting on the faith to step out and do it. It's the same in tithing. It's the same in stepping out and trusting God with your family, trusting God with your career, fill in the blank, whatever you need faith for. And if you wanna know where God's challenging you in your faith, it's the place where you have the most questions. God is trying to form faith in the areas of your life that you sense the most contradiction. Where your, where, your con, where your conclusions are being contradicted is the very place, place God's trying to form faith in you. That's what he did for Gideon, okay? Judges 6, 22, up to this point, Gideon, this is really where Gideon's faith solidifies, okay? Verse 22, when Gideon, watch this word, realized, there will come a point in this walk where you will flip a switch and you will realize, oh my gosh, God's really with me. When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, alas, I don't ever use that word in my common vernacular, but he does, pardon me, my Lord, alas, alas, sovereign Lord, I, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face, but the Lord said to him, peace, do not be afraid, you're not going to die. So Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and there and called it, the Lord is peace. Contradiction led to realization. He realized and I want you to pay close attention to the altar he built. He built an altar and called it the Lord is peace. This is the only place in scripture where Jehovah Shalom is mentioned. When he realized. Because when you realize, where when your faith develops, you know what comes with faith? Peace. Peace. When you really begin to have faith in God, that is when the peace of God comes in. That's, that's this peace that, that Gideon is experiencing. So, so chapter six, if you wanna know the theme, chapter six is where the contradiction to the conclusion happened and it's when his faith began to form. Now chapter seven is where the real fun happens. And in, in, in point number three, if you're taking notes, write this down. In chapter seven, Gideon was trained to trust. So on the heels of faith comes a test. Gideon's like, Oh my gosh, I realize now that this is the Lord. And God's like, all right, let's try this out then. Let's see if your faith is really formed. So he takes him through this process. Let me read it for you real quick. So faith is formed. Now watch in real time how he's trained to trust. In chapter seven, verse two, the Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hand of Israel who would boast against me. My own strength has saved me. He's like, if you really want my strength, I have to get rid of your capacity to say that it was your strength. If we take all 32,000 of these men into battle, you're gonna say that you were strong. But I formed your faith, and now I'm gonna train you to trust me. Because I want you to know that when we win this battle, it wasn't your strength that won this battle, it was God's strength that won this battle. So watch how he strips him of it. He said, announce to the army, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left while 10,000 remained. But the Lord said to Gideon, there are still too many. Take them down to the water and I will thin them out for you. For me, thanks God, appreciate that. <laughs> I think this is more for you, God, than it is for me. I'd like him to stay, you know. <laughs> 
If I say this one shall go with you, he shall go. But if I say this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. So Gideon took them in down to the water and there the Lord told him, separate those who lap the water with their tongues as a dog laps from those who kneel down to drink. And 300 of them drank from cupped hands, lapping like dogs. All the rest got down on their knees to drink. Verse seven, catch this. The Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. Let all the others go home. So it went from 32,000 warriors, the strength, mind you, of 32,000 warriors to 300. His faith was being tested. He was being trained to trust, to trust the Lord. I like to say it this way, trusting is the test to see if the faith was really formed. God wants us to have faith, but what comes with faith is trust. I have faith that Michelle loves me and me alone, and I trust her to do things because the faith has already been formed. So God puts us in situations where he's going to test the faith, and he wants to know if we're going to trust him in this process. Peter, will you walk on water? <laughs> Moses, will you stretch out your staff for the waters to part? There's always a test. There's always a training that happens to see if we're going to trust. I trust the Lord differently than I did 10 years ago. I used to be a worry wart. I call myself a worry wart. I used to worry about stuff. Like do some time this week and take some analysis and do an assessment of your life and see how far God has brought you and how bigger your faith is today than it was when you first believed. And how much more do you trust God than you did 20 years ago or 10 years ago or five years ago? And the challenge is not to be satisfied with where we are. The, the challenge is for my faith to grow more for tomorrow and my trust to grow more for tomorrow and my strength to grow more for tomorrow so I can take more enemies, so I, enemies from, from the, so I can take more ground from the enemy. So think about this, this, this cycle, right? What area of your life do you need to trust God more in? And left alone with that question, like, well, I don't know. I don't really, I've never really thought about it. Well, you'll know what areas that you need to trust God more in when you know the areas that you need to be more faith-filled in. Where, where do I need to have more faith? Well, just let's keep this process going. Where does strength start? You need to have more faith in the areas where your conclusions are being contradicted. What areas of your life are you the most frustrated right now? Are you frustrated financially? Well, he's contradicting your conclusions on finances then. And he wants your faith to grow when it comes to finances. And he, he, he wants to trust you more, so he's gonna test you more when it comes to your finances. I don't know what it is for you, what area of your life, but I can promise you if you'll follow this cycle, you'll, you'll, you'll find pretty quick that the areas of your life that you're, you're the most frustrated and you're asking the most questions, it means that something is contradicting what you believe to be true. These are the areas that God's trying to form your faith in, which means, get ready, these are the areas that he's gonna test your faith in. But the good news is, is it, is it doesn't end there. It didn't end there for Gideon, so it concluded chapter eight is when Gideon received his strength. Gideon was supplied with strength in chapter eight. Chapter six was contradiction and faith forming. Chapter seven was testing of the faith. 
And chapter eight was Gideon's strength on full display. Let me show you a few parts of it. So remember that when the, the, the army of Midian, Midianites were described in chapter six, you can go back to the beginning of chapter six, it says that they were like swarms of locusts, too many to count. That's why, they're, that's why they were hiding. They were just over, overcome. It, I don't have time to go into it. You need to read all of chapter eight. It gets to the point where they rout the Midianites at the end of chapter seven. You'll see that. They, they rout the Midianites with 100 people. 100, 100 people. They turn on themselves and then what happens is Gideon's not satisfied with just winning the battle. He's like, I'm, I'm winning this whole war. We're chasing them down. So chapter eight is the story of Gideon's army. I don't even know if you can really call it an army. It's, a, it's Gideon's small group is, <laughs> is chasing down the armies of the Midianites. It's insane. Now watch what it says in verse four of chapter eight. It says, Gideon and his 300 men, I want you to watch this, exhausted, yet keeping up the pursuit. Now wait a minute. What does strength look like? Strength looks like exhaustion, but by some crazy supernatural power, I'm able to keep up the pursuit. I'm exhausted mentally, physically, emotionally, but by some supernatural way, I just keep on raising these kids without killing them. It's a miracle, you know? I just, there's just something that keeps me going. This is what this strength that he's encountering is. And by the way, same God then, same God today for us, okay? It says, they came to the Jordan and crossed it. And he said to the men of Sukkoth, give my troops some bread because they're worn out. And I'm still pursuing Zeba and Samuna, the kings of Midian. But the officials of Sukkoth said, do you already have the hands of Zeba and Zamuna in your possessions? Why should we give you bread to your troops? Now watch Gideon go gangster real quick. Like the, go, the guy that was once weak need saying I'm the worst. He says, just for that, when the Lord has given Zeba and Zamuna into my hands, I will tear your flesh with desert thorns and briars. This dude flipped a switch. He has some kind of crazy strength. And this, this strength that we see manifesting in chapter eight started with a contradiction to his conclusions. Now, I want you to think about this. I, I gotta hurry, I'm running out of time. They, 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 they didn't give him what he needed. He said, we're exhausted. Will you please give us some bread? Nope. And it doesn't say that they quit and gave up because they were exhausted. Well, guess what they did? They kept going. They kept going. When everything in the natural would have told them to give up, they somehow had the strength to keep going. In chapter eight, verse four, I wanna say it again. It says they were exhausted, yet keeping up the pursuit. Can I just tell you something? This world needs you to keep up your pursuit. Your family needs you to keep up this pursuit. Okay, the kingdom of God needs you to keep up the pursuit. If you're breathing, you're here for a reason. God needs you to keep up your pursuit. How are we going to do this? We are going to do this by having a supernatural strength that comes only from the Lord. And then when you conquer the battle, guess who gets the glory? Not you. The supernatural strength gets the glory. How do we get this strength? By trusting God. 
How do we trust God? By forming our faith. How does our faith form? By asking questions. By allowing God to contradict what we may have concluded. Embrace the contradiction. And then I believe it, it concludes with what we started with in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 34. Whose weakness was turned to strength. Some crazy supernatural way, God gives us the strength. So I don't know what you need strength for. Maybe you need strength to endure. Maybe you're in a season of just endurance. You feel like you're in a marathon and you're on mile 26 and you got point two to go and you don't know how to get to the finish line. You need to endure. You need the strength to endure. Maybe you need strength to conquer. Maybe you need the, the strength to keep fighting. I don't know what it is that, that you need the strength for. Maybe some of you just need the strength to get started. You're so consumed. You can't, the problem has gotten so big that you can't see the finish line anymore. You just need to hear God's voice saying, I'm with you. Just get up to the starting line. Go in the strength that you have. So I just wanna pray for you today. If, if you're here, if you're at the Edmond campus, I'm not gonna ask you to close your eyes because at the end of the day, we're all weary, we're all exhausted. Guys, listen, we just survived one of the most difficult two years in history, in modern history, okay? COVID, the, the tensions, the, the economics, there's a war that seemingly World War III <laughs> is in the balance. There's economic concerns, there's recession. There's all of these things lingering. The only way we will survive this is with the strength of the Lord, amen? So if you're here today and, and you would say, listen, my hand's raised, you just need some strength. And you're saying, you know what, maybe I don't need it, but I want it, I'll take some of that strength. Just shoot your hand up, Edmund, okay, see those of you watching online. Come on, can we just pray? Can we just lift this up to the Lord? Lord, we just come to you right now. God, we are in full awareness of how badly we need your strength. And maybe this is a great refresher for us because many of us have tried to do this in the strength that we have. And maybe you're reminding us today that it's not by might, it's nor by power, it's by your spirit, says the Lord. So God, first and foremost, we, let's repent. God, we repent of trying to do this in and of ourselves. We are weary, we're tired, we're exhausted mentally, emotionally, physically. God, we say now that we are asking for you to pour out your strength upon us. We learn from Gideon today, Lord. And it may not just be some deposit of strength that you give us. Maybe it's a process that you're taking us through to prepare us. God, if we have wrong thinking, would you contradict our thinking? Come on, pray a real dangerous prayer and give the Holy Spirit permission to contradict your conclusions. So Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and to challenge our thinking. Challenge maybe things that have eroded in us and caused bitterness and, and, and unforgiveness of others. Maybe we become so bitter because it's something contradicts what we think that we have failed to learn. So God, we invite you in. God, we ask questions. Thank you that you're a God that doesn't strike us with lightning when we have doubt. Thank you that you are open with us exploring God based on the word of God. We're exploring what your word says about our lives. 
God, may the faith begin to form in us. May it, may it solidify, God. And we invite you to train us for trust. Train us to trust you, God. Give us courage to trust you where we haven't trusted you before. And God, we believe that you're giving us the strength to conquer, to win, to win the battle that's before us. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us here today for this week's message. And here at Victory Church, we are called to equip people to live in His presence, move beyond ourselves, and be transformed. And this can only happen through your radical generosity, your serving, and your prayers. If this message or any of our messages have impacted your life and you would like to partner with us by giving into this ministry, you can do so by visiting our website at victory.church/give. Thank you again for joining us and have a great day.